0: Welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbolic imagery of each of the 78 tarot cards. If you use a Rider-Waite-Smith deck, or a Thoth deck, or Mel's own Tabula Mundi deck, you've come to the right place. We love making this podcast, and we hope you love listening to it. But you should also know... That Fortune's Wheelhouse is more than the sound of our voices. We have a home on the web at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. Come and visit us there so you can experience the other part of this conversation, where we provide hundreds of written articles and explanations for even the most obscure concepts you'll hear on the show. If you sign up to be our patron at even the $1 level, you'll instantly gain access to all that information. As you know, Each week, we have a giveaway. The winner of last week's giveaway of an extra-large print is Linda in Colorado. Congratulations, Linda! For this week's episode, we're talking about the page or princess of swords. In our discussion, we talk about the quadrant she rules and, at its center, the ace of swords, which is her throne. So this week, our giveaway will be two art prints from Mel's Tabula Mundi, the ace of swords and the princess of swords. They are the root and the flower of the powers of air, and they are signed, matted, and ready to frame. You can sign up as a patron and find out more about the drawing at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. If you're on Facebook, you can also connect with other listeners at Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy. That's the officially unofficial Fortune's Wheelhouse group, where even now some 275 listeners are sharing their love of esoteric tarot. You, too, could be one of them. Remember, you can always check in with me and Mel at our individual websites. I'm at www.tsusanchang.com. That's T as in tarot, susanchang.com. And my Etsy shop is at www.etsy.com shop tarotista. Mel's blog is at www.tabulamundi.com and you can order her products at tarotcart.com. And we each have newsletters where you can sign up to hear about anything new that's happening in our worlds. Finally, if you have a moment and you haven't done it yet, would you please leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, can do it that way too. It's free, it's easy to do, and it really does help spread the word. Thanks for doing that and helping us out. And now, here's this week's episode. Okay, welcome to the Page or Princess of Swords episode. Uh, final card of the Sword Suit. Can't believe we made it here. And she is known as the Princess of the Rushing Winds, the Lotus of the Palace of Air, the Princess and Empress of the Sylphs and Sylphides, Sylphides, uh, the Throne of the Ace of Swords. You know, this is something kind of interesting. I don't know if it's where we should start, but while I'm thinking of it, I was looking up the um, exact degrees for her. What do you mean exact degrees? So North Pole to 45 degrees latitude. Okay, yeah. That kind of thing. And uh, from zero degrees Capricorn to 30 degrees Pisces celestially. Yeah. And then, but what they, I noticed something that I didn't know about um, while I was at it and that the uh the in that section the actual throne of the ace is supposed to be from 22 degrees 30 of the first sign to seven degrees 30 of the last sign did you know that
1: no that's interesting it
0: kind of makes sense right because you got the 30 degrees of the middle and then like seven and a half degrees on each side so 45 yeah. degrees total Four. yeah 45 total well, that makes sense yeah. I guess yeah yeah, so it's like she's got this huge territory, and the ace is sitting right in the middle of it around the fixed sign in the middle.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of I like I never heard it expressed as the 45 degree range exactly, but you yeah, know, that, that makes sense.
0: It kind of makes it easier to visualize, I guess, but I never really thought about the aces having those degrees. So a little bit more in the fixed range and a little bit from the cardinal and a little bit from the mutable. So that would mean that the Ace of Swords would be from 22 degrees 30 of Capricorn to 7 degrees 30 of Pisces, which is interesting. It is. Lotus of the Palace of Air, of course, the Lotuses are the princesses of air and water of swords and cups. Which is interesting, right? Because they both have that floating quality, I think we talked about. Yep. With the Princess of Cups, as by contrast with the uh the roses of the palace of fire and of earth. earth. Yep. So which when you think about a rose, it's rooted in earth, it's got those fiery thorns. Um and it's not it doesn't just go wherever you blow it. The right. way a where lotus the lotus does. is
1: floating, whether it's floating on air or above the water, uh, on water or above the water, sometimes you see them too.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to think about that connection between air and water, because, you know, when you think about it cabalistically, air follows water in the descent through the tree of life. And when you think about it in chronological zodiac sequence, water, water follows air through the sort of clock of the year so they're always next to each other
1: that kind of is interesting because when i was doing some of the research on the mythologies there were a lot of water connections like for example we'll probably when we talk about the medusa head yeah you know the, the gorgons were were said to be spirits of the uh or the embodiment of the terrors of sea travel which That's I thought so was interesting. interesting. And then there's a lot of the, in the mythology stories, there's a lot about the sea and water and, you know, water gods. And so I just kind of thought that was interesting, the way this air card has so much connection with all this
0: water mythology. Right. Plus Aquarius being a crypto water sign itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked quite a bit in the sword suit, too, about just, you know, nautical metaphors and aviation metaphors overlapping in so many different ways. Sea and sky. Yep. So I guess she's associated with the East. We generally, in ritual, associate air with the East. Um, so when you're doing, for example, Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram, you start with the East. And there's something about that that seems very apt for this card, the fact that she's the one who, you know, when you open your mouth to decide to do something, <laughs> she's the one right. who's there. <laughs> It's also interesting to think about her. I think we did this for the Princess of, of Cups. We talked about um, her relationship to the overall story of the element. So if the Cups one was the story of the hanged man uh, through um, through the three water signs, then this is the story of the fool through the three air signs, Libra, Aquarius, and Gemini. So, you know, kind of that Libra- arriving at the crossroads, Aquarius navigating your way through it, and and Gemini committing to a choice. The heart of her story is navigation, is figuring things out uh, in much the same way as the prince, I guess. Yeah. Prince or knight.
1: Trying to use the virtue of Malkut, which is discrimination, to make a decision on how to take action on a thought.
0: Right. How it will manifest in the world. She is, of course, the earthy part of air. And I think Crowley calls that the fixation of the volatile, something like that. Yep. And she's such a powerful and, in some ways, very conflicted figure. I mean, there's a lot of aggression or ferocity about her, I think, maybe because of the difficulty of fixing something like air right. in place. <laughs> right. When we talked about the Princess of Cups, we contrasted her with the Princess of wands, uh, in the sense that one had at the heart of her story, this story of surrender and death in Scorpio, and the other had at the heart of her story, a kind of uh, story of leadership and life in Leo. terms of Leo. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of interesting to think about that with the Princess of uh, Swords and the Princess of Discs, in that if the Princess of Swords, heart of her story has to do with that application of the idea, this navigational skill.
1: I was thinking of about that, too, and the idea of Aquarius as being liberation through the scientific method, you know? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the truth shall set you free. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, whereas the Taurus, there's really more about, like, setting the seed into matter, you know, the impregnation of the Princess of Disks. The practical application of matter to matter (laughs) is birth. (laughs) Right. So there's that, you know, the the birth of an idea versus the birth of matter are, you know, really the opposites of the mind and body. One kind of thing that's also interesting to think about in terms of opposites, is the geography associated with her, right? Because she's associated with the Americas. The Americas. The Americas yep. Yeah, the new world versus Europe and Africa, the old world, the cradle of civilization, which would be uh, discs, I believe, in that quadrant of the earth. Oh, yeah, we should probably review the way that princesses correspond to the geographic sectors of the world, since they're different from other court cards. So, Great,
1: as quadrants of space instead of quadrants of time, I think right. is how it's been described by uh, Lon Milo.
0: Yeah. Kat. Yeah. So, like, whereas with knight or kings, queens, and prince or knights, they're always uh, described as this part of the zodiac, this time period of the zodiac. She's supposed to have a you know, a real grounding in earth as the earthy part of whatever her suit is and to have a spatial application. So that means that, you know, all princesses have this territory governing the earth from the North Pole to 45 degrees of latitude, um, and then one quadrant of that sector. And the other thing is that you know, yes, she is described as having this territory from zero degrees of Capricorn to 30 degrees of Pisces. So she has a connection to those signs. It's something that you approach in terms of thinking of that sector of the sky, rather than that time of the year.
1: Yeah. And and it's also, the difference is that it's, it's like centered on that fixed sign. Right. And bordered... By the other two signs, so you can even see a little bit of a story in there. So you have this Aquarian, this Aquarius star card influence in between Capricorn and Pisces. So you could look at it as the eye of the devil. You know the the mm-hmm. A in the eye. Mm-hmm. If you use window for the star um, in between, then the Pisces. Moon card, back of the head. So it's almost like the, yeah. the the subconscious. You know, she's the window between the what comes from. The eye looking through the window at what's in the subconscious. That's very
0: interesting. So, so, so you're talking about ayin being the Hebrew letter for eye associated with the devil and kuf being the back of the head Hebrew letter associated with the moon. And then hey, if you use that as the window between them, uh, associated with star. And even if you, and even if you use uh Saadi as the golden the dawn go does as the hook the back the you head. go fishing in the back <laughs> of the head exactly there's like a connection between those two and it's 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 theoretical you have to cast a line <laughs> it's a far distance and all of that is related to the star as well
1: and the fact that you know pisces and the moon on one side and all this back of the head kind of subconscious realm astral realm stuff and then on the other side, you've got the Lord of the Gates of Matter.
0: The yeah. Devil, this yeah. matter
1: stuff. And there's a real uh, mind-body connection for this princess where, you know, she she's like the, the guardian between those two realms of the mind and the body.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. So not only, so not only is she Earth of Air elementally, but she has... You know, as representing Aquarius air, she has this connection back to Capricorn through the devil, that right. she has to negotiate. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that's yeah. Earth of air is another way to express mind body. Right. It's just yet another
0: one. Right. That's which really is probably why
1: I've read somewhere that um she's associated with psychic healing. That whole mind body connection thing.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So airy part of earth. Uh, sorry, earthy, earth, part, earthy of air. part of air. <laughs> earthy part of air is kind of interesting to contrast with airy part of earth, who is her sort of opposite number, the prince or knight of discs or pentacles. <laughs> um, so, you know, just temperamentally, there's, such a difference between the two of them, you know, in terms of speed, in terms of patience, in terms of sort of approach to the world, I would say the, you know, yeah, Prince of he's Pentacles. definitely
1: very heavy and she's very light.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, he takes his time figuring out how things work, you know, um, and persisting, really sort of looking at things and figuring them out and then making a move and... And yeah. and making them right, he has a real sort of maintenance and I don't know. There's a, there's such a lovely uh, quality of mechanical engineering about him, like he has all the time in the world and he's going to do it right. Yeah,
1: he seems very <laughs> methodical, you know. Yeah, one plotting out one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Where she just is like the the breakthrough, the, the you know, like yeah, and she'll,
0: it all up. You know? <laughs> and she'll hack away at it, you know, at, in from a million different directions until something works. <laughs> yep. But it has to happen fast. Yeah, I think that's very true. <laughs> if you put the two of them ne- next to each other from any deck, really, and sort of just look at the contrast between them, there's always such a solidity, like the Prince or Knight of Discs is pasted to the earth, and she's dancing and flying, and you know, <laughs> yeah, barely connected to earth. earth. Yeah, feet
1: barely touch the ground, right? So, there's also the connection to the prince of swords of her own element, yeah, which is kind of interesting too. Because, so that we, when we talked about him, he's like the, the pure element, he's air of air,
0: mm-hmm. so he,
1: he really is the court card that most embodies the third letter, uh, the Vav of the divine name, right? Vav So, And she's the natural counterpart of that. So there's something interesting about that, too.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that when we were talking about her title as Princess of the Rushing Winds. I think we talked about him as having sort of a steady breeze, the steady breeze that carries the ship across the ocean kind of a thing. Right, um,
1: where she seems more tempestuous.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's in one of those uh, d- windy days where it's going left, it's going right, it's going north, it's going south, but it never stops. So um, the associated majors are, well, there's a couple ways to do it. Um, I think for the other princesses, we've talked about that Capricorn Aquarius Pisces thing. So... So the devil, the star, the moon, I use, I know, and I believe. Or the other way to do it, I think we decided was that we could consider her connected to all the air majors, like justice, and the star and the lovers. And then
1: there's also the connection to the Ten of Swords. Yes. All princesses are connected with tens.
0: Definitely. Definitely. There's no question about it. She has, I think that the mythology that's associated with her points most conspicuously to the Ten of Swords, actually. Uh, a lot of the sort of things that we'll be talking about later, you know, seem to have pick up on that energy Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So if she's connected to the three, Air majors, uh, justice, the star, and the lovers. That's I balance, I know, and I think. <laughs> so no matter what, she always knows. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, she either knows and thinks and balances, or she knows uses, uses
0: and, what knows she and knows believes and believes in it. <laughs> in it. Right. So that that's interesting because uh, that kind of speaks to two different qualities of her you know I use I know I I believe she uses what she knows and she believes you know that that kind of represents what drives her and why she does what she does whereas I balance I know and I think kind of represents the way she does it you know how she does it her ability her capacities I don't know something like that
1: like her her mother she does seem to have a real justice vibe about her
0: too for sure and you know, and-, and one
1: thing I was thinking that's really interesting, you know how Malkut has all these titles that all involve gate? Yeah. yeah does the gate, either just the gate or the gate of this or the gate of that. Yeah. One of the titles of Malkut is called the gate of justice. And that's, uh-huh. that that phrase really made me think of her because
0: the connection yeah.
1: with the tens and Malkut and with justice and her like avenging nature.
0: You know, and that's that makes a lot of sense because, you know, if her mother associated with Libra has to do with the weighing of things and the figuring out what is fair and just. She's the one who makes it happen. <laughs> you know, her mom may be the penal code, but she's putting the guys in jail and beheading them. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, and she does
1: ascend to the throne of the mother after all, so she gets there herself. That's eventually. right.
0: That's right. She has a real understanding of, of why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah, and another way to look at it is Well, she really has a connection to every single sword card. You know, I sometimes like to think of her as, you know, how the fool, sometimes people think that the majors are the journey of the fool. You can almost think of the ace through 10 of each suit as the journey of the princess. You know, this Mm -hmm. is what she does.
1: I I often do think of it that way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So she's gone through, she started at her throne in the ace and she, you know, two, three, and four of swords. She's assessing... The situation, she's assessing and weighing all of the factors. And then in the five, six, and seven, she's devising some kind of a plan to solve her problem. And then in the eight, nine, and 10, she's committing <laughs> to, yeah. to swing the sword.
1: <laughs> it's a really interesting card. It's actually a card I really like a lot.
0: Yeah. You know, I didn't like it at all in the beginning when, you know, when I was only familiar with writer wade smith i would stare at it and say you look so unfriendly <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, you but, know what's really funny like yeah i always associated myself with if you go by my birth date on the night of wands or but i have always mm-hmm. had this close relationship with the princess of discs and but you know what who my mother says i am mm-hmm Princess of Swords.
0: Well, okay, yeah. I can see that, too. Well, the Aquarius moon and rising, too, you know. Yeah, so, she yeah. insists
1: that's what I am. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you trying
0: to say, Mom? <laughs> Does Mom come from a Rider-Waite-Smith background or thought?
1: Um, Rider-Waite-Smith, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. it was yeah. was one that she used for a while. <laughs> so I, I thought it was kind of funny, but once I thought about it, I was like, oh, I can see, I can see some.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can see some some reasons why that might be so.
0: I was also thinking a little bit about the court cards who rule her sort of neighbor uh you know I mean it's of course she has the connection to the knight or prince of swords but she also has a connection on the capricorn side to the queen of disks and on the pisces side to the king or knight of cups as well. So, you know, just thinking of her sort of looking to the left, looking to the right and seeing Yeah, so the practical,
1: the the practicality aspects of the Capricorn Queen with the idealism, I guess you would call it.
0: Of yeah,
1: the Knight of Cups.
0: It's almost as though in her relationships to the King or Knight of Cups, it's like justice is her own personal grail. <laughs> you know, the thing that she's yeah. striving towards.
1: Yeah, justice and freedom. Yeah, she does not want to be constricted in any way, mentally right. or physically. Right.
0: So we've talked a little bit about her Kabbalistic um, connection, Malkut in Yetzirah, and um, and that connection with the Ten, right? So specific earth in primal air is uh, the way I think Robert Wang puts it, the kingdom in the world of formation. And I think that's such a powerful placement, you know, when no you Oh kidding, about I was <laughs> thinking
1: about that too.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, when when we try to raise ourselves out of Malkut to do work in magic, we're kind of going from Masiya to Yatsira and you know she is Or how, from
1: you could say from Malkut
0: to Yesod. Exactly, from Malkut to Yesod and she's right there. You know, she's in that place where the things that we try to manifest.
1: That between heaven and earth place of that, you know, having her feet on the ground, but her head in the astral plane.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the more I think about it, you know, I've always thought of her Page of Swords, Princess of Swords, as the person who is the project manager, who sort of breaks everything down into the little steps, the task list of uh how things get done and when you think about how magic works in the world it's like you know a series of personally meaningful coincidences that just sort of you know oh, i yes, imagine I her <laughs> yeah <laughs> i imagine her as being the architect of those coincidences you know uh, <laughs> the one who well,
1: Liber Lieber theta does um refer to her as having being the card of magic sorcery and witchery
0: yeah yeah, cuz you know the what's so crazy about it for us is that we don't get insight into the causal mechanism of magic, but she's there doing something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep, she's there stirring it up. She is.
0: <laughs> I I think of her as, you know, in the 10 of swords we talk about how when you make a choice all the other choices fall away, you know, they're all cut away. And she's, right, she could be the one doing collapses. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In that quantum moment, she could be the one who's cutting away all the other possibilities and collapsing it, you know, into whatever the reality is going to be subjectively for us. Another way to talk about that phrase, uh, the fixation of the volatile is the mind committing to action. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That makes yeah, yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. So I have a much greater appreciation for her, you know, over the years, but also just in the last 24 hours, (laughs) thinking about this stuff. Just a little. Another thing I sort of thought about is sort of this task list that's constantly running in the background that we're unaware of. You know, metaphors for that are like, you know, like when you open the task manager in your computer and you see all the stuff that it's doing that you have no idea, you and know. you don't know
1: what it means. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> or like if you sit down to meditate and all of a sudden you see all of the crazy stuff that's going through your head, you know, got to take the car to the garage, got to go to the dentist, got to floss, you know, got to make breakfast, got to. You know, it, this like one yep. task after another. So Why that my toe
1: itch. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> Suddenly, my glasses are dirty. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, all the distractions, or what we consider distractions, when we set down to still our mind you know, those could be, those are all her projects that are going on all at once.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's kind of interesting, because I look at her as being both a defender of the mind and a defender against the mind at the same time.
0: Well, that makes sense. It's sort of like when you apply to a demon for their help with something, it's because they're in charge of it. So they can either stop it, or they can encourage it, right? Yeah, that yeah. that's
1: a good way of- looking at it,
0: it's her job to be in charge of the monkey mind, both to harness its energy and to protect you from it when you don't need it. Some of the traditional meanings associated with her probably pick up more on the distracting and, (laughs) and constantly, you know, strategizing and negotiating and, you know, transactional parts of her that we see. You know, (laughs) about her cardomantic and historical connections, which are pretty interesting. So, Eteya talks about her as being a spy when in her sort of upright. Positions. Yeah, that must
1: be where Waite gets it, because he also mm-hmm. mentions spying in terms of her and secret service.
0: Which makes a lot of sense. It is where Waite gets it. And he he drew so much on Atea. I never really yeah. realized it till we started working on this podcast, but he really does. And I think that makes sense, because what does a spy do? They trade in information, you know, in a practical way, but also in a hidden earthy way.
1: Yeah. And they're kind mm. of a shapeshifter, you know? They yeah. can make you think they're something they're not.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, in reversal or in sort of her undignified meaning, Thea has this word, imprévoyance, which I guess I couldn't figure out how to translate it in English. It basically means unpreviewedness, <laughs> so unforeseen, mm-hmm. you know? I don't unforeseen. know if we have seen.
1: A- yes, I've seen that... um written about her as if she's reversed, like some people say that she represents the unforeseen event.
0: Yeah, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's that unpredictable quality of the gusts of air that are associated with her. Uh, But that kind of reminds me of what could be her role in the creation of unforeseen magical outcomes. The uh, right, the yeah, coincidence. Yeah, Maybe she I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she's like a an avatar of coincidence in some way. Mm, mm. I like that. Yeah, I kind of like that. I have to think about that more, but it's it's cool. Taya says something about you're prevented by a very curious man who's trying to involve himself in your affairs and to know what you're about to do when it's pulled by a soldier it announces a duel in which he'll be lightly wounded <laughs> oh. yeah so i'm trying to think of like her use of the sword versus her mother's her mother the beheader
1: <laughs> right you
0: know right. you know maybe she's more of a you know, she chastiser, <laughs> chastiser fights with her sword to gain advantage strategically. You know, yep. I don't know. Anyway, she's got that Medusa head for turning people to stone, so maybe she doesn't need to behead them.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, it's already done by mom.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She's also associated cardomantically, the Jack of Spades, I guess, with this figure called. Ogier or the Dane uh, who was one of Charlemagne's knights. There seem to be a lot of those uh, the, yep. t- the so-called Twelve Worthies, you know, who were uh, knights of Charlemagne or involved with Charlemagne in some way. His story is sort of interesting because he Was at first a foe of Charlemagne's. There was some dispute about their families where, you know, relatives were getting killed by each by the other side. So he was a foe of Charlemagne's and who later on changed his position and became a staunch ally, which to me sort of speaks to the changeable nature of her agenda. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, she may do one thing one day and another, another day, but she has a reason for both. And he is sometimes Thought of as a patron of hunting depicted with dogs.
1: I saw that too, and it immediately made me think of two things the fool mm-hmm. and Diana the huntress.
0: Exactly. Diana the huntress, too. Yeah, the fool for sure, with his little dog yeah, trying the to fool, warn him. The,
1: the dog following, but also she's associated with Artemis and Diana, you know, the virgin huntress
0: who travels with her hounds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that made a lot of sense, sort of uh, in terms of context. And then there there's something also interesting about his sword. Uh he carries a sword which has many names, cortante or cortin, which just means short sword. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's he has two swords, but that's the one that everybody talks about. And I think that's interesting because if you look at the writer Wade Smith page of swords, that sword is cut off and short. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to
1: start calling certain people Cortante. (laughs) (laughs) That's a veiled insult. (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, to me that, also might point to her relationship with her mother. Her mother's got the long sword of beheading, you know, and she's got yep. the short sword for infighting and uh, close work. She's more like the spy who comes up to you and sticks a knife right up to your belly to get you to do uh, what they want.
1: <laughs> it's interesting, too, that her mother's associated with beheading and then she's got this gorgon head yeah. again, beheading. And also the um, the ten of swords, I think... Didn't we talk about the head and the...
0: Yes, the sword through the head. So
1: there's definitely Mm -hmm. this flavor of heads heads Heads. rolling.
0: (laughs) And also, like, all the court cards have that quality, right? Because I think in the, you would know this better than me, but in the the Libra Theta and Golden Dawn material, there's like the child's head on the queen. And Mm -hmm. I think there's supposed to be a winged head on the knight or prince, like in his crest or something like that. And then she's got this gorgon. <laughs> the knighter well,
1: heads the mind, the exactly. air element. It,
0: you know, so it's a theme. It's definitely it's all related. <laughs> it definitely. And then there's that, you know, those uh, 19th century silly little rhymes that go with the playing cards. This one's kind of funny for the Jack of Spades. It's this is a knave. Pray have a care that you fall not into despair. Women who the same shall choose shall prove great fools, though that's no news. So I kind of liked that in a couple of different ways. The idea of fools, first of all, because of the connection of air, the sort of like contrast between what you know and what you don't. But also, pray have a care that you fall not into despair really kind of pointed to the Ten of Swords
1: for me. And the Nine,
0: yeah, yeah, the 9 and the 10 for sure. So the 9 actually literally being despair. And then the the 10 sort of like the sequelae of falling into despair, the sort of like giving up. So that this Jack of Spades figure in Cartomancy, I think, has something of a pretty baleful aspect. You know, he's one of those playing cards that you're not supposed to really like getting. You know,
1: I was thinking when we were talking about beheading, the other thing that popped into my head um, <laughs> was... Uh, <laughs> Was that headless or bornless right? Yeah. Which is a way, a means of contacting the holy guardian angel who, guess who it's the personification of, heir of Air, her, yep. her beloved, I guess you would say. That's kind of interesting.
0: That is interesting. I've always wanted to look a little bit more into the headless right. I mean, is the idea that it's headless in terms of the destruction of the ego so that you can contact that makes sense. Yeah, your better nature. Yeah, yeah. And I think when we see the uh, Queen of Swords with her beheaded guy in her hand, that's you know the piercing through illusions and similar death of the ego kind of a thing.
1: I mm-hmm. think also somewhere in here we have to, and, I, and maybe it'll just come out. It'll come mm-hmm. out naturally, probably in the Medusa stuff. But there's some interesting, you know, the whole area of star lore. You know, even though. Mhm. She's quadrant yes. of space rather than time. It's a little bit different than the other court cards, but one thing I was I was looking up that I thought was cool is all the stars of autumn. Now that would be Libra season pretty much, are are all related to, you know, Andromeda and Perseus yes, and Medusa. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's the thing I was going to say. That's the thing I was going to bring in earlier. Yep, that's oh, the exact same thing. You know, thing. The, you know the, the fact that it's Libra system <laughs> justice or adjustment, that's totally appropriate here, too.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, in the Golden Dawns tarot, the Perseus and Andromeda myth is in the lover's card, lover's Gemini, card, right. right? So, yep. so there's that That's connection
1: to the, if you look at the ah, yeah. lovers of Rosetta, it's got Perseus and Andromeda. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes absolute in, sense. In in one of the mirrors. <laughs> right. So Perseus and Andromeda, Perseus being the hero who beheads Medusa. So he has this specific connection as part of that sort of Gemini the lovers and the 10 of swords you know the head and the wounding and uh, and the being turned to stone which is another way to think of the 10 of swords uh and the medusa of that is on the princess of swords head yeah and that's just that whole kind of literal constellation of myths is just sort of secretly encoded in here in this really Cool. Hey, maybe we can way. just talk about it now, since we <laughs> yeah, we started. might as well, and then we can just pick up on it later and reference yeah. it. Yeah. So Medusa, the Gorgons themselves were three sisters. Yeah. What did they do to get their snake heads? Well,
1: one thing that you see commonly put out is that Medusa bragged about the beauty of her hair,
0: and uh, <laughs>
1: Minerva punished her for saying that, and turned her hair into snakes basically and turned her into a hideous demon
0: (laughs) why do people do that (laughs) stories where their
1: origin isn't mentioned and it's all three of them you know what i mean as if they're just creatures on their own in that other story Mm -hmm. who knows you know what i mean but as the three sisters what I thought was really interesting, I looked up Gorgon in the uh, Penguin Book of Symbols. Ah, right, yeah. And one thing that I thought was really cool about that, it said that the Gorgons were, the three Gorgons were each versions of a type of perversion of social, sexual, or spiritual drives. So um, Medusa was the one that her, she was the perversion of the spiritual drive for mm-hmm. evolution. Huh. Whereas the other two, one of them was the social drive, one was the sexual drive. So Medusa was... Yeah. And Medusa's name was the queen. Um, the other sister's name were Uriel,
0: who is the wandering one. Right. And Stheno? I'm not yeah. sure how you pronounce yeah. that. Stheno. Um, Stheno, so she's has to do uh, with uh, strength, right? Right, right, right she right. was called the mighty
1: one. So the wandering yeah. one, the mighty one, and the queen. But I thought it was interesting that... Way of expressing Medusa as this perversion of the spiritual or evolutionary drive of mankind, yeah, uh, like a perversion of the ego um as the enemy to be encountered, the enemy of the mind and, right. and also as the guilty conscience
0: right, right. and also you know it's so evocative when you think about the way to conquer Medusa is to approach her with a mirror, right the reflection. Is yes. what's is your shield, right? right? So you know, in the sense that is almost like a meditation metaphor, the idea that the mirror, recognizing it as something that's not integral to you but external to you, and protecting yourself by reflecting on it, you know, seems like a yeah, pretty profound a metaphor. Division,
1: like between the watched and the watcher, or or your watching yeah. the
0: watcher in meditation, right. Right and and plus the fact in meditation you're sitting there like you're turned to stone right 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 sure feels like it it sure feels like that you know I remembered like when I was first learning to meditate like within thirty seconds my leg would fall asleep literally and I'd be like (laughs) fuck right you're like ring the bell ring the bell please ring the bell (laughs) yeah so you know and and you know the death that. We talk about when Medusa kills people. It's an interesting death because, you know, it's a metaphorical death as well. You know, death of the mind, death of the ego, but also the stillness of the body. So there's a couple different ways to think of that. In recent years, and I really wish I'd had time to sort of look into that, but Medusa has become sort of a feminist icon, I think. I know that she's used in... I've seen um, that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of women I've, right now... <laughs>
1: she's seen as like a, a symbol of female power and creativity. Yeah. Like I know in a, in a a if you do the fixed stars in a natal chart, the star al mm-hmm. which means uh, demon of the woods... And it's a star of the head of Medusa is said to be an indicator in someone's chart of great power and creativity.
0: Right, as well as sometimes being described as the most baleful star in the sky. Yeah,
1: that that too. (laughs) too. too. (laughs) too. And it's it's actually a binary star system. So the interesting thing about it is you can actually watch it over a period of hours. It will change in brightness. Wow! you can see with the naked eye. So the ancients said that it was Medusa winking at
0: you. <laughs> yeah. Which
1: is kind yeah. of spooky.
0: It is spooky. And I mean, I think traditional astrologers really look for that star and, and count it as a major malefic. But isn't that sort of typical of things associated yeah. with women, generally, yeah, <laughs> in traditional women, astrology? Uh, yeah,
1: are <laughs> demonized throughout right. history. Another powerful woman that, is associated with this princess is lilith yeah another difficult figure and you know lilith was adam's other wife i guess you'd call her and his first wife and he wouldn't she wouldn't submit to him that's right he he ditched her for eve
0: right exactly she was his equal and she was having none of it Yeah. So, also, a Wikipedia article on Medusa. That's right. Uh, so, apparently, she is sometimes used uh, to represent notions of scientific determinism and nihilism. So, as opposed to like. Interesting. Rom- as opposed to like romantic idealism, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it's That curious. Kinda is
1: kind of cool because that also echoes the whole, you know, Perseus Andromeda thing where the monster comes from the sea and the, all this sea stuff being opposed to all this air stuff, yeah. Like the the it's, it's almost as if the emotional realm is impacting the mental realm in a negative way.
0: Right, 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 right. So it's like what you see is what you get, you know, and there's a sort of like a cut and dried quality to that denialism in the sense that there is nothing more than what you see here, you know, and mm-hmm. it would be really interesting to me the idea that, you know, she's involved in that and its opposite, the the workings of magic, you know, in the sense that like, uh, I feel like I'm getting out over my skis here, but you know, <laughs> in the, in the sense that like, you know, she, she is involved in the unseen mechanisms of the world where. I almost think of her as being related to machine language, which is sort of like you know the the level of computer coding that is so basic, so far beyond the binary, what we normally yeah. see. Yeah, the, ter-
1: the Turing code or whatever, <laughs>
0: right, right? That that we can't even perceive it, and it's almost like magic, right? And mm-hmm. you know, and it's interesting to me that in magic, what we're doing is we're basically doing a runaround around that and saying, okay this is the intention. You just go and take care of it. (laughs) You know, you figure out the steps from A to B, you do all of the work, you know, and then, and then I just had appears. a funny
1: image pop into my head <laughs> while we were talking. And you remember in The Wizard of Oz, the scene where Oz, the great and powerful, his head is just like yes. projected on the, on the wall. <laughs> and then there's the puppet master behind the scenes.
0: Yes. I don't know
1: why that just popped into my well, head. Well, you know, that's
0: did. so apt because, you know, and then it turns out he's just this guy behind a curtain. And who tears away the curtain? The little dog, right? It's yeah. Toto who tears away the illusion. So there's these themes of... The illusion, which is lunar and Artemis-like, and the uh, difference between reality and magic and the little dog who wakes you up, you know, there's all sorts of themes that we've been talking about and bites you on the ass that I know a lot of the things that we've been talking about are sort of like wonderfully encapsulated in that scene. Yeah, really That's interesting. Funny that it just popped into my head. I'm like, yeah. why am I thinking about that? <laughs> yeah, it's just like something See, fired the monkey mind. You know <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> we're supposed to be having a conversation, and Oz the Mighty is watching
0: <laughs> that on, on my inner screen. Speaking about like scientific materialism and determinism, and you know, and nihilism versus magical romantic thinking—kind of what we were talking about before. You might not think those things go together, but often in tarot, the card that you're looking at determines both one thing and its opposite, right? It governs both. It says concerns of this nature are all uh, belong to this card. All right. So shall we finally look at (laughs) Waitsmith? Oh, sure. Let's do it. I guess it's time. This is interesting to talk about gender for just a second since, since weights cards, pages can be more male than we see them in Thoth system cards. Uh, in fact, he describes this figure as male and no matter what he describes a page as, I'm still going to think of the page as female. (laughs) Yeah, It says, a lithe lithe active figure holds a sword upright in both hands while in the act of swift walking. He is passing over rugged land, earth, and about his way the clouds are collocated wildly, looking this way and that as if an expected enemy might appear at any moment. So again, that sort of themes of uh, spying, secret service. The unforeseen in reversal, because the job of this page is to anticipate stuff. Um, yeah,
1: that idea of being ever vigilant.
0: Ever vigilant. I always thought that she kind of looked like she was standing on a pitcher's mound. <laughs> <laughs> Batter up. Batter up. What do you think about those birds? There's 10 of them, and you can kind of look at that as being an analemma over her head.
1: It almost does look like that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that
1: what that would say to me. So ten Malkuth, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there. That's pretty obvious. But the analemma brings in the solar aspect, and her groom is Tiferet, the air mm-hmm. of air guy. You know, the prince of swords. Yeah. Associated with the six, the sun, the solar uh, influence. Yeah. So there is like a, a solar
0: connection a solar there.
1: Connection to this card that could be expressed by the analemma. So for those of you who don't know what the analemma is, it's if you took a picture of the sun at the same time every day, it kind of moves around and it forms this uh, sideways kind of figure eight loop. Mm-hmm. Um, Slightly over lopsided. The cor- over the course of yeah. a year, mm-hmm. it, it traces that path.
0: You know, and for that reason, I guess, the sideways figure eight is what we use as an infinity sign because it never ends. It just goes yeah, round and round. The
1: sun mm-hmm. traces that same path year after year after year for ever. (laughs) Right. Until the end. Right.
0: Yeah. So in a way, you know, having this, those birds over her head, it's almost like the endless cycling of thought, and the endless uh, commitment of thought to action, in a way. It's so interesting, you got to wonder what what, Whether Pixie was counting them or thinking about it or, you know, what made her decide to draw them yeah, in just yeah. that You'd way. Really
1: do, I really do wonder if, how much instruction she was giving, like specifically, well, we want you to do this, and how much mm-hmm. just came through from yeah. the Guardians of Tarot or that the Muse <laughs> as your stuff <laughs> things come through, especially yeah. most artists are
0: channels. And she's... Got like you know, similarly to her brother slash partner, the Knighter Prince of Swords, she's got the cut off sword. Again, we talked about the short sword, <laughs> um, uh, shortened force, yeah, yeah corta- cortante. I-, I always used to think about that as representing the fact that she doesn't complete the action. You know, I've always associated the Page of Swords with trying to do things and trying over and over, uh, any which way I can, not necessarily completing it, but also learning things. You know, I think of the Page of Swords as a real student. So the effort when you, you know, apply your brain to a, an intellectual task and that feeling of, Oh, I don't quite grasp it. I don't quite grasp it, you know, and, and, and yet trying and trying to do it. I assist. Or kind of that energy of
1: flitting from interest to interest.
0: Yeah. So there's some of that quality of her brother's distractedness. Uh, mm. or the the knight or prince's distractedness as well yeah. oh and you know we talked about the knight or prince last time and he's got the five birds and she's got the ten. <laughs> Oh, interesting <laughs> right so it's almost like she's the completion of what he's trying to do yeah that makes sense the clouds are interesting just like in the knight or prince of swords the trees are blowing Literally like sideways. Could be the same day, same place.
1: Yeah, and what I noticed is they start from the ground and they and they kind of spiral up to her head. So it's almost like from earth yeah. to air.
0: Yeah, that's right. And also you see the mountains in the background, which are mm-hmm. an earth reference and you know, and the hill that she's standing on is it's colored in such a way that you can't help noticing it. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a topographic map, that sort of contrast of greens and yellows. Which are, of course, you know, in Thoth, those would be very much the colors that you're looking for. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's also interesting to see mountain. Well, you know, I mean, in I Ching, mountain, that trigram is in all of the princess princess cards. And, you know, and mountains themselves reach from earth to sky. So it makes sense that we would see them in this card. Yeah.
1: And no hat on this one.
0: No hat on this one. Yeah. And the hat is
1: unencumbered, I guess.
0: <laughs> the, the wind is blowing so hard in there. I mean, look at her ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. His, her, you know, hair is like just flying in the wind, which also seems like it could be a veiled reference to the Medusa thing. It right, could,
1: could be, because they do have that little bit of that serpentine
0: quality. They do. And if you ever see any, you know, cinematic representations of Medusa, the hair doesn't lie down. It's up in the air because those snakes are animate. <laughs> yep. I think there's also something about this card that has to do with that double agenda of, you know, walking one place while your head's turned in another, like we see in the Rider-Waite-Smith Seven of Swords. And
1: also like that idea of it almost looks like she's going to walk off a mini cliff without looking like a fool. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was really surprised to see that Waite described the figure as walking swiftly, because I always thought, you know, that that left foot is pretty solidly planted there. I guess that's just the way he saw it. What do you make of the colors?
1: Well there's definitely the yellows of um and the blues of air and you know mix yellow and blue and you get green. The red right. um it would pro- could possibly be the solar influence again.
0: Oh that's true. Well you know what isn't it the case I think I have this right but don't all the sword courts have in waite smith have red shoes on? I think they might. Uh, I I know the King of Swords does. I know some of them do. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure that the Knight of Swords, uh, he doesn't have, he's got a red glove. He doesn't have red feet. But the King of Swords has a red foot. The Queen of Swords has a red foot as well. So they just like their red shoes,
1: (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Well, isn't there the the, uh, story, the Ah, the red shoes, the dance, you know, the dancer?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Puts mm-hmm. on the red
1: shoes and can't stop dancing.
0: That's right. And she dances herself to her own death. That's right. right. And who knows with the knight of swords, I mean, he's got, you know, metal boots on, but he could have red socks underneath. <laughs> 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 Why not? And he's got all red accessories, the red feather, the red glove. So that's really interesting. They all have that. Connection with the walking the walk of life, I guess, of passion and of
1: yeah, I was thinking yeah. it in ter- of in terms of passion for their ideas or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like they they walk the talk.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What about that purple tunic, though? I I wasn't sure what to make of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, purple, you of- sewed. Yeah. Is, oh, she yeah. Does have a lot to do with the astral. Realm there,
1: and purple is the color of visode.
0: And maybe we can think of it. You know, I know this is writer Wade Smith, so these colors don't apply in the same ways. But these are kind of lovers, the yellow and the mm-hmm. lavender yellows and mauves yeah, orange, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a Gemini connection there. Again, that connection to the swords, uh, ten of swords, Gemini lovers type. Yeah, thing.
1: Mercury, the the god yeah. of the mind. You know, working with the color scales, it's one of the things I've been noticing ab- about how, you know, for example, Mercury and the Sun share so many colors,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know that in astronomy, Mercury and the Sun are kind of buddies as we They're buddies, mini me. <laughs> <laughs> and but then you, uh, you know, and you also look at the shared colors between Mercury and Jupiter, and then there's that mythology of you know Mercury being Zeus's cupbearer,
0: and stuff. that's right, yeah, is kind of interesting. Yeah.
1: And Perseus, you know, thinking about that mm-hmm. whole, if you think about a connection between Mercury and Jupiter, um, I think Perseus, who we've been talking about in this episode, is a son of Jupiter. Actually. Yes.
0: Oh, ooh. And not, and not to mention that Andromeda was chained to the rock, you know, earth. Yeah. And needed to be yep. liberated in that way. Liberated hmm. from the sea serpent. Oh, and the other thing in
1: that mythology that, you know, they, this, when this card comes up, sometimes they say it represents, uh, conflicts. Mm hmm. Approaching. Mm-hmm. And then there's that whole other part of the uh Perseus Andromeda story that you don't hear about as much, but apparently after he rescues her and, and marries her,
0: mm-hmm. her
1: father's brother, her uncle Phineas, who she was supposed to marry <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so messed up.
1: Brings like two hundred warriors to the feast and tries to start shit. Right. Right, right. And then right. they all get turned to stone when he, when Perseus whips out the Medusa head.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm just pulling out the, all the sword courts and rider weight real quick. And she and her parents, king and queen, they've all got cumulus clouds. Whereas, uh, knight of, knight or prince of swords has this sort of ragged cumulus thing happening. Yeah. yeah. cirrus, yeah. Thing happening. And it's almost like if you look at the way the, clouds are arranged in those two queen and king of swords it's sort of like she so the queen of swords has this big sort of fat cloud bank behind her thrones and the page of swords has that but the king of swords has that sort of diagonal line of clouds going up towards his throne in the same way she does so uh the page of swords so she borrows a little bit from each parent interestingly uh in terms of the sort of visual representation of the clouds and uh One bird on queen, two birds on king, five birds on knight, and ten birds on page. Hmm. 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 You almost want there to be six on the knight. (laughs) I know. I do want there to be six on the (laughs) knight. And three on the queen. (laughs) Great. Not one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ah, well. (laughs) Ah, well. (laughs) It's, uh, what do they call it? It's blinded. (laughs) Great. Every time there's an inconsistency in esoterics, they say it's a blind, yeah, <laughs> meaning hidden meaning that only initiates know. Anyway, all of you are initiates now. You know that there should be three on the queen, and there should be six on the knight or prince <laughs> in a just universe. All right, so um, on to Thoth? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that! Oh, look she's, at that! She's something. She's fantastic. Just look I at do her. love her. Yeah, yeah. She is. Badass. So something that Lon Milo Duquette said in, in his writing on this card is so great. Um, and this is sort of what sort of started me down the whole meditation idea with this card. He's talks about her as the swordswoman of the Ruach, you know, the Ruach being the intellect part of the soul centered in Tiferet, centered in Tiferet, exactly. And, you know, so when the mind must be defeated in battle, as we, as we do in meditation, when we try to defeat the mind, the Ruach sends its finest swordswoman into the field, a warrior princess who manifests everything that's inherent or hidden in her lord, the Ace of Swords. So, you know, that idea, again, of her being the manifestation of the task list (laughs) of all the things you have to do. You know what's really
1: interesting about that is, you know, the Ace of Swords... They say it's as opposed to the Ace of Wands, which is the natural force, the Ace of Swords being the, the invoked. invoked force. Yeah, the and invoked you think, force. If you think of the idea, we were talking about magic. If you think of the idea of invocation, you know, becoming yourself that mm-hmm. force invoked, you know, there's yeah. a connection yeah, yeah. there. So if the Ace is the, is the force itself of invocation and she's the result of that.
0: That's right. You know, and she also has that uh, downward pointing sword, you know, just like her mother. I don't know, I think that in thought, the difference between the upward and the downward pointing sword is always kind of important to recognize. You know, while the upright one is, you know, the upright will in its sort of glory, but the downward one can carry a negative connotation. Or eventually something one. about the
1: idea of, you know, vengefulness.
0: Vengefulness. And also sort of Enacting that will on the world, you know, pointing down into Malkut. Like, yeah, I'm about to he, do he some calls shit. It the
1: anger of the gods or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And then of course she's got that amazing. I didn't even realize for the longest time that that was a Medusa head that was attached to her head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how it's attached. Is it like a helmet? Yeah. I think it's like kind of like the pom pom
1: on the top of the helmet, but <laughs> probably made out of. Metal or something.
0: The materialization of the idea, you know, that is turning things to stone too, you know, Mm -hmm. that whole concept. Mm -hmm. So that's incredibly apt. The idea that the gaze of Medusa travels through the air and then fossilizes shit. (laughs) <laughs> you know, is the is perfect uh, metaphor for air and earth. And uh,
1: she's touching her altar, which looks as if
0: it's made of stone. Yeah, she is. And I think that, oh, it's probably Crowley who says that it's as if she's really furious about mm-hmm. the barren altar, right? The fact that the altar is no longer Yeah, the smoke-
1: profaned altar. Or yeah,
0: like. yeah. It's not a um, fiery altar. It's a smoking altar, Uh, no fire here smoke can be an earth of air. air earth of air yeah exactly she stands in front of a barren altar as if to avenge its profanation and she stabs downward with her sword the heaven and the clouds which are her home seem angry and her logic is destructive we see
1: yeah she's associated with um the valkyries too right right sure kind of a destructive force. They they were fighters. They could give victory in battle, but they also got to decide who would die on the field of battle. Ten of swords again.
0: Right. There's kind of a wonderful swooping yellow formation behind her. Is that sort of the path of her sword or something?
1: It does look as if it's like the rushing of the air, but then mm-hmm. you see that yellow space she's facing Mm -hmm. and snuffin described that as some sort of archway or portal through which the sun could be seen so
0: again another solar
1: tiferet groom reference
0: (laughs) yeah that makes sense so but right by her feet is that solar kind of glow Mm -hmm. right and then to either side of it going towards the middle left of the card there's a triangular structure
1: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I see it. I know I know what you mean now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it maybe like maybe
1: that's the archway or portal that he's referring maybe to.
0: Maybe it is. It kind of reminds me like when you see old timey illustrations of the wind of like a personification of the wind blowing into clouds. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it almost looks like a little section of a lightning bolt or of like yeah. a, of like a the trail from a meteor smashing into the ground or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does. I really love the way she did the background on this card. It, it's mm. so dynamic. Yeah. And then she's got her pinwheel wings. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I love the... the
1: way her her outfit is very diaphanous and light and floaty. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's almost
0: like she can't stand having clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to be encumbered in any way. And right. she's wearing winged sandals on her feet. You know, that again brings Mercury, obviously, but Perseus wore the winged yeah. sandals because he was given in the in the story he was given the winged sandals by mercury as a sign of favor to go and defeat use to defeat medusa and then athena gave uh perseus her shield
0: that's right that's right that's right so the the mirror so again mercury mine the air
1: mm-hmm. you know plus perseus reference and the lovers mm-hmm and Andromeda story.
0: Yeah, and we talked about Athena as uh, sort of correlating to the Queen of Swords in that episode, but also Mercury as the ruler of Gemini. And I think that we see more Gemini references in the Princess of Swords uh, than any other sign, you know, that connection to the Ten of Swords.
1: I guess because of the Medusa crest, especially... You know, she's associated with Athena and Minerva. In the story, once Perseus severs the head of Medusa, I I think it ends up, he ends up giving it to Athena and she affixes it to her aegis, which is, I guess, her breastplate.
0: Right, Um, right. And,
1: you know, as an emblem. (laughs) That's great. But, you know, it was really interesting that I read about Minerva when I was, you know, doing my homework for this is Mm -hmm. that um, most people probably know she's the goddess that sprang from fully Mm -hmm. armed from the head of Zeus. Mm -hmm. heads heads again right heads again um but um she's a a warlike being but what i thought was really interesting is that though she's a warlike being she's always associated with defensive war she despised (laughs) like the mars quality of like bloodshed and killing but she was a defender
0: yeah i think it's really interesting that you know, that you had to have two gods of war. And one was, you know, the woman the aggressor, and, and the thinker, the defense, <laughs> right? Yes. And the other was the drive and the male sort of uh, approach, the aggressor. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that altar, if you look at the top half of it, there are eight circles, you know, that's mercurial right there. Yep. And then yep. below, there are like 10 cubic diamond type things for Malkut. Mm. On the lower, yeah, Malkut
1: in- and mm-hmm. its connection to Keter, the diamond, and right. Keter.
0: Oh, she's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, that's great. I like um. um-
1: Some of the things he said about her, he said something like, as a princess and a a throne of spirit, she has the option of blowing everything sky high.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like her, uh, like the princess, the revolutionary, same thing. She always has the option of throwing everything overboard.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think he also called the princesses of swords children of misfortune who nevertheless have chosen a right and will get their reward in the yeah, end or something
0: I was reading that and trying to parse that I guess the idea that as children of misfortune they kind of trouble goes with them wherever they go sort of like you know Gandalf is considered the bringer of <laughs> Gandalf stormcrow the bringer of troubles. Yeah and I also think
1: it might point back to something else he said earlier in the in his write up about that these people can suffer from anxiety, and especially over their responsibilities in family affairs, and that the causation of that is the the causation of their state of anxiety is something that they've inherited from their parents or something.
0: Right, 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 right. It does say something like that. One of the parents, one or both of the parents will usually be found in the etiology, he says. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I mean, because we're where in tarot do we locate all of the, you know, psychodrama and all of the mental illness? You know, it's all in this suit, which she's traveled through from the yeah. beginning to the end. So Right. And
1: she's like the ultimate child of that suit.
0: Right. 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 Right.
1: You know, you always see, oh, conflicts, conflicts, conflicts. But I think what he said is she's adroit in the settlement of controversy. Yes. Again, the so thing in its opposite. she's not conflict. She's good at dealing with it.
0: Right. Because she doesn't give up, I think that is a quality about her. She she will try any approach to solve whatever the problem is that comes up. She's incredibly resourceful. I was just thinking that, you know, the sword courts, if you look at all of them in Thoth, I've always thought that uh, that the, the queen and the knight or king look pretty similar. And the... um. And the prince or knight looks completely different, but she kind of brokers the difference. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. She seems to have color-wise, just she makes She's sense got of that the green alien skin like her brother. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we, we do. Hulk <laughs> <laughs> smash. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. So we should probably go into the while we're doing the Thoth card. We should probably mention the I Ching. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. We should character. do that hmm So, which is uh, Gu. Oh, gosh, I have the stresses written differently in two different ones. I think it's Gu. I have anyway, K-U. But yeah, I don't know. so that was, that was the old way that they used to um, transliterate uh, mm. the Gu sound. So until the 20, mid-20th century, that's how it was done. So anything you see that was K, old transliteration of Chinese names is now G. Uh, ah, okay. Sort of sort of um so that's hexagram 18 and wow what an interesting figure this is it is uh sometimes called uh correcting sometimes called remedying uh what did you get for it i saw those and Mm -hmm. i also
1: saw uh renovation which is a similar flavor Mm. troubles
0: oh yeah crowley says troubles Mm
1: -hmm. and to not recoil from hard work or danger which i thought was really interesting
0: yeah yeah yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, um I think that Crowley says that he describes it as the most unhappy symbol in the book. <laughs> right. So sort of the rubaeus of each air. Yeah, right. But um all the fine qualities of air are weighed down, suppressed, or suffocated. But you know, on the other hand, and, you know, actually that is very much in line with the ideograph that goes with it, not the characters that correspond to Gu, but the ideograph that goes with the sort of I Ching is, uh, it's a picture that has like three, it's sort of meant to represent three worms in a container. So it's like something that has gone spoiled or decayed. Uh, it's like food that is no longer good because it's been held in this container too long which is really gross. (laughs) But I think the correcting remedying thing is like, okay, you really have to do something with this now. You can't just like put it back in the the fridge. fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you don't get to just like, once you see the finality of how destroyed this thing is, kind of 10 of swords reference there, the finality of its putrefaction is such that you must act. At this point.
1: The the other thing Crowley said about that I Ching character, though, that was also interesting was what he said about line six. Mm -hmm. He -hmm. said it's it represents one who does not serve either king or feudal lord, but in a lofty spirit prefers to follow his own bent. That's for sure. <laughs> and that, that, That's definitely her. <laughs>
0: yeah, she is um, someone who will blow away the stagnation any way she can. The idea of remedying is, I guess, sort of from the point of view of the commentators, it's like, how do you react when everything has been spoiled? It's incumbent upon you to clear away or fix it in some way. Oh, and I also saw that Gu, uh, this is Wikipedia, I think, is the name of a venom-based poison traditionally used in Chinese witchcraft. Mm. So that's evocative. very interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so lower trigram, shun, meaning wind, which she, it has in common with all the other hexagrams associated with sword courts. And the upper trigram is me- gun for mountain. That's the earth part of it. So mountain over wind. The mountain supposedly, supposedly represents the youngest son in general, which makes sense that it's associated with pages or princesses as the upper trigram for those court cards. And then shun, shun is the eldest daughter. So there's a lot of patriarchy in this interpretation, but the combination of the youngest son and the eldest daughter, there's this idea that the wind is willing to follow, this eldest daughter is willing to follow the youngest son, but the mountain, the youngest son, it refuses to move. It can't go anywhere. So something must be done, mm-hmm. basically. Overcoming inertia. Exactly. Oh, and then now Crowley doesn't talk about it, but you and I looked up the geomantic figure associated with this, mm-hmm. which is Fortuna Minor. Um, and whoa, and one thing about Fortuna Minor, or maybe the main thing about Fortuna Minor, aside from being basically a positive manifestation where Fortuna Major is the, the big positive manifestation, is that Fortuna Minor always involves change and instability. I mean, that totally makes sense with her, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. And also the fact that Fortuna Minor is associated with, like, something coming to your aid and her as a defender Mm -hmm. kind of resonates a little bit, too.
0: That's right. Because Fortuna Major and Fortuna Minor are both associated with the sun, I believe, in the same way that Cauda, Draconis, and uh, Via, and Populus are both associated with the the moon, right? Right. So basically, the, the primary correspondence for the sun is Fortuna Major, and that's associated with Leo, is associated with the Prince or Knight of Wands. And the primary lunar one would be Carcer, which is associated with Cancer, which is associated with the Queen of Cups. But the minor ones are associated with the Princess. So the Fortuna Minor and Via, Via is associated with the, is it the, Princess of Cups, I think. Yeah, because yeah, 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 the so. daughter of the moon. Yeah,
1: and Populus.
0: Yep, Populus is associated with her mother and uh, Via is Princess or Page of Cups. Fortuna Minor associated with um, with this card, the Prince or Page, Princess or Page of Swords. And the other ones, I think it's Cauda Draconis for the Princess or Page of Wands and Caput Draconis for the Princess or Page of Discs. So we'll get to that when we get to yep. it. <laughs> Uh, we were talking about how we don't have a, um, a Crowley source for that, but it shows up in a couple other places. All right. Did we make it through Thoth? I guess we did. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so, uh,
1: Tabula Mundi. Oh, boy. Okay. So, well, why don't we start by, we'll just read the book T description because all this Medusa head stuff comes direct from that. Right. Um, so we can read it and and uh, see. An Amazon figure with waving hair. Slighter than the rose of the Palace of Fire. Her attire is similar. The feet seem springy, giving the idea of swiftness. Weight changing from one foot to another and body swinging around. She is a mixture of Minerva and Diana. Her mantle resembles the aegis of Minerva. She wears as a crest the head of the Medusa with serpent hair. She holds a sword in one hand and the other rests upon a small silver altar with gray smoke, no fire, ascending from it. Beneath her feet are white clouds.
0: Right. So pretty interesting. Right. Pretty interesting. Reminds me a lot of her mother who's very fond of dancing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, the shifting from foot to foot. I to love foot. that, you know, I and I tried to do that in this card to, to give the idea of lightness and springiness and like kind of whirling around to her posture.
0: That makes so much sense to me. You know, I remember all the time when I was learning to ballroom dance that, you know, this is my main experience with dancing is that we think of as spectators, we think of dancing as being all about the motion. But as a dancer, you're thinking constantly about where your weight is. Which foot your weight is on, your center of gravity, where you're shifting the weight to, even if you're not stepping. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes a ton of sense that, you know, in order for her to grow into her mom, who is fond of dancing, she needs to be able to know where her feet are and where her weight is at all times.
1: Yeah, to grow into that Libran idea of balance.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you've got the seriously badass Medusa head on top.
1: Yeah, the Medusa head. So um, elements from the Ace of Swords. So it's got the crown that's shown in the Ace of Swords, but where the crown in the Ace of Swords shows all the Hebrew letters with the sword pointing at Lamed, mm-hmm. uh, the ox goad and Aleph being hidden behind the blade of the sword. In right. this case, where the Aleph would have been in the um, ace of Swords. There's Hay for Hay. Final of the Princess. Gotcha. And also yeah. for Aquarius, the right. sign that she revolves around.
0: Then we've got both. There's a difference in the way you represented the crown in the Princess and the crown in the Ace, and I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, uh, sorry, the same, same crown. Twenty-two yeah.
1: pointed crown uh, of the Ace. Yeah, you just can't see them all because the Medusa head is kind of obscuring. Um, gotcha. Okay, but it's sorry. rotated so that what the one, the only one you see in the position of where her head would be if she was kind mm-hmm. of standing up straight, like the sword would be, you know, the the hay for window mm-hmm. for Aquarius is positioned where the aleph for the ace was in the other
0: card. Gotcha. So you were saying so about the sun where her yeah, foot we've is. got
1: mm-hmm. the sun, the solar, the solar reference um, behind her, that kind of half half disc of orange. And then there's the yellow disc, which, you know, it can be thought of as a lunar thing, which you wouldn't think of in it in terms of her, but mm-hmm. lunar in the sense of the astral realm of Isode,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: she's poised between, you know, these realms of earth. Yeah. Goku and um, Right. Her feet are not touching the earth. She's kind of got that springy quality. And, Position below her feet, there's that s- smoke rising from heaven's kind of, um, you know, the influence of heaven upon earth. Was, those yeah. are the pyramids referred to in the Ace of Swords as the city of the pyramids. That's associated with Bina, and it's another reference of the influence of heaven upon earth that she represents, as well as her connection to the Supernal Mother, Bina being the Supernal Mother, and the Princess Malkut being the inferior Mother. So there's always that. Kind of connection mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. between them. What else? Belt buckle. Yeah, she's got that uh, belt buckle that is part of her crest, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all in the colors. It, it you know, the, her her little skirt there that she's wearing. It kind of reminds me of Zena the Warrior Princess. Yeah,
0: totally. Except, totally. except
1: it's in the colors of air with the the blues and yellows.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of like one of those skirts that's totally meant for movement. pleated and yeah and reinforced right Mm -hmm. what about her gaze where she's looking was there some kind of choice about that the direction
1: no there's not really a directional quality but the inspiration for this there was a painting that i saw and i can't remember the name of it right now but with a woman kind of in in that position Mm -hmm. and what that woman was doing Totally look. She looks totally different, wearing different clothes and whatnot, but in the same posture. What I loved about that painting was that springiness and lightness of her posture. Mm-hmm. And in the in the painting, the woman was smelling lotus or lily.
0: Oh, wow. So yeah. you can see
1: that her hands there, the, the lotus or lily isn't in this picture. Yeah. I loved yeah. that both the lotus or lily was represented as she's the lotus of the palace of air and the idea of smell and air and connection yeah. with the air element in The Fool.
0: That makes a ton of sense. It's just a, a real lightness to her. And also, if you imagine, it's reminding me of Botticelli's spring painting somehow. I mean, not, there's nothing specifically that's like that, but the sort of central figure is also looking down in the same way and there's a lightness and, you know, air, east, spring also.
1: Yeah, and you can kind of think of the looking down as being, again, the, the, the heaven upon earth, Thing, you know, and not
0: to mention, you know, what's really cool if you sort of, you know, put the Ace right next to it, um, because they're so similar, your Ace of Swords and Princess of Swords, it's almost like she's looking down on the Agape uh, side of the sword, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, the love side.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Right. Neat.
1: And I think the, you know, I read somewhere, you know, how she's the um. Princess and Empress of the Sylphs and Sylphides? Yeah. Somewhere I read that when you're working with the Sylphs and Sylphides, you're working within the area of Yisod. So there's...
0: That makes again, sense.
1: A kind of lunar quality. So there's both solar and lunar connections on the middle pillar, teferet and Yisod, and they show mm-hmm. in the card. Also, there's um the streams of smoke rising up from the city right. of the pyramids are... Six in number, so there's a Tiferet reference there. And then the three streams of light from the crown, you know, the supernals. Again, yeah. heaven upon earth.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I love the way if you hold her next to the Prince of Swords, you know, just looking at the things that are the same and different about them, like the, the winged baby head as opposed to the Medusa head. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah. and the... uh the the sort of where the yellow is in both cards, you know, the fact that he's closer to yeah, it's the um, same yellow. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, and the way that causes the blues to flash. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty great.
1: Yeah, I love that combination of blue and yellow.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Dark, dark blue with light, light yellow. It's just so stunning. It's
0: electric. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, very,
1: it's very Aquarian. I think um, electric blue is one of the colors of Aquarius, and mm-hmm. yellow too for air, the air element. So
0: that makes all sorts of sense. Yep. That's right. Yeah. All right. Any more to say about her? Um, just that when we,
1: you know, we we mentioned a little that she's kind of above the city of the pyramids there, those three pyramids beneath her, and the other reference to that is Daat. Mm-hmm. Which they say is the throne of the Ruach, even though the Ruach is Tiferet centered. Mm-hmm. Daat, being knowledge, is the throne. And there's something about the destruction of the ego and destruction of knowledge that's involved with that city of the pyramids imagery yeah. Yeah. and crossing. You know, so it's the it's the destruction of knowledge and the destruction of ego that opens the supposedly.
0: Right, uh, that you have to cross the, the abyss. To the initiate. Right, and there's three of them, which is could be a Bina reference, yep. you know, across the abyss, uh, yep. and the reference to her mother as well. Right.
1: Yeah. Cool. And, you know, there's just, when I see her, I, I do get this card a lot. When I see her, it's, uh, you know, we've talked about taking action in response to an idea. Like, it, there's, there's like a need to respond in some way to something that's come up in the world of ideas. And then there's also sometimes an element of defense where you have to defend one of your ideas.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's always like when I see it too, there's this idea of mobility and excitation, you know, movement
0: and. Yeah. Yeah. Like her brother who will bond with anything that moves (laughs) and she provides the movement. (laughs) The, right. And then there's
1: the the whole the breakthrough the, the
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know the breakthrough moment where you act instead of just whirling around and thinking where you, you take right. action
0: right right and right. there's
1: that um there's that idea too of you know that we talked about the gate of justice that idea of response and balance and karma earned where is karma earned here on the earth. Right, And so you're you're responding to those forces, those karmic forces that might be bringing some kind of conflict or unforeseen thing. So she's
0: sort of a a signal to you.
1: A lot of times when there's the need to clear the air about Mm -hmm. something, Mm -hmm. you know, to clarify conversation or something that needs to happen or. Yeah.
0: To disambiguate.
1: Then there's the mind body aspect of it, too, that sometimes is something that when she comes up, there's a need to look at the connection between mind and body.
0: Do you get her a lot? I do get
1: her quite a bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not recently, though. Well, it's interesting because you have that personal connection in the sense that your mom sees you as her, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't gotten her a ton recently either. But historically, I do get her quite a bit. Um, And it's often happens when when I have to, you know, try to do a lot of things and I don't necessarily see the result. (laughs) No, really long task list, lots of interruption. There was one day this summer when I got her and basically like all the little logistical things went wrong. And I don't remember if she was reversed or not, but like my son lost his car keys and we sort of like went all over the place. I was driving him here and there and Then, of course, on our very last errand of the day, as we're going to go get the replacement key from a friend, as we're leaving their house, he reaches in the pocket of the door and there's the key. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, my, my mouse died. Uh, my computer mouse died on um, that same day. And I went through like bazillion sort of fixes for it and I couldn't make it work. I was downloading software and dry, uh, and drivers and stuff. And this went on for several days. And then I brought it into the shop because I was like, I don't understand why none of these mice Including the new one I just bought are not working with my laptop, and <laughs> oh Mel, I was so embarrassed. The battery was in upside down <laughs> yeah. I was I felt like such an idiot, oh my God, so anyway, there was that um <laughs> i I also oh, oh, mortifying <laughs> I You're like, like, honestly i'm not, I'm not I so am excited. a smart person. <laughs> <laughs> And, the, and what was even more mortifying was that the guy was like, he was not laughing with me or laughing at me. He was like treating me, you know, like an 85 year old grandma, like, oh. you know, it happens to people kind of a thing. Oh, <laughs> was, no. oh my God. Anyway, uh, I also associate her uh, generally, Princess Page of Swords, I associate her generally with language learning, language acquisition, programming, software, and accountancy doing the numbers and poetry
1: and spell work because of her gift with
0: words and so all of those sort of things are things that i've you know drawn her for things that engage the mind in that way in that sort of like extremely word oriented basic kind of way
1: makes sense because when i get her too it's it's like a reminder that it might be time to wield the sword so to invoke the power to know exactly take, take hold of it
0: exactly yeah and to check stuff out and start you know she's really curious I mean she may be the most curious of all of them you know mm. I got her one day when I was going to um I went to you know I have this perfume little business so I so I went to Sephora to just just to go smell stuff because they had opened one in Hadley and I got her and I just like went around and I sniffed things for like an hour <laughs> so you know that seemed to me that like would give a pretty, me a headache <laughs> yeah so it is the the churning of the mind the smells, the task list the learning, language uh, technical stuff yeah all of those things so shall we oh god shall we try to sum it up <laughs>
1: oh yeah boy okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i don't even know i can't even oh god okay all right stop panicking (laughs) i'll just start blurting it out and it'll it'll wrap itself up it will okay so here we are we're talking about the princess of the rushing winds lotus of the palace of air uh she is the uh the 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 earthy part of air and associated with the east the first direction we address in the lesser vanishing ritual of the pentagram when we invoke uh she she is the invoking force the invoked force of the ace of swords she's the uh,
1: materialization or uh, concretization of the idea that started in the ace uh, she is the fixation of the volatile
0: yes thank you I don't I was like looking for it all over my papers and I'm like fuck I don't see it the fixation of the volatile exactly uh, the heart of her story is the navigation and figuring stuff out as opposed to for example the princess of discs whose heart of her story is impregnation or birth she's the new versus the old the new world versus the old world she has a lot to do with heads and uh, and lack
1: thereof between the Medusa head and her mother beheading the male figure there. Mm-hmm. As well as the, we talked about the idea of the headless rite or bornless rite where one practices to strengthen the connection with the holy guardian angel who is personified by her consort, the prince of air, as right. heir of air.
0: That's right. And we talked about her uh, relationship with the Air Majors, the Justice, Star, and Lovers card, or with the Capricorn, Devil, Star, and Moon, uh, yeah, uh, Pisces Yeah, so the cards.
1: eye looking through the window at
0: what's in the back of the head. <laughs> exactly. Or with the Air Ones, her motivation of balancing things, knowing things, and thinking to act upon them.
1: To use, to know, and to believe
0: to balance to know and to think.
1: <laughs> yep, that too. Right, that then too. Then there's the whole uh, more head more head stuff where um <laughs> she's associated with Minerva who sprang from the
0: head of Zeus fully armed right as well as Medusa the head of the gorgon and the star Algol. Turning yeah, and Medusa Mendesta. as
1: both a, a a guardian and a demon, so she's both protective but also as a force of spiritual perversion of the revolutionary ideal that you need to guard within your mind. It's the enemy, the enemy of ego.
0: Yeah, the the guardian against the monkey mind, but also the keeper of the monkeys. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Release the monkeys. (laughs) Yes, that wonderful scene from Oz where the little dog tears away the curtain and destroys the illusion of the great and terrible Oz.
1: And Oz as the great head- that's right. Head.
0: <laughs> right. Specific earth and primal air, the the smoke of the altar that may be blown in any direction.
1: Yeah, the smoke of the altar as the um, anger of the gods, and Lilith as the woman who wouldn't submit.
0: Ogier, or Ogier, the Dane, the... Warrior of Charlemagne's, who switched sides and became his staunch ally and fought with a very short sword. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and with the dog at his heels. hmm The
0: patron of like, hunting
1: as well. Like the fool and like Diana.
0: The Perseus and Andromeda myth, uh, the beheader of the Gorgon and Andromeda chained to the rock, and the association with the lover's card.
1: The uh, disgruntled suitor, her kind of pervy Uncle Phineas. <laughs> Disrupting the wedding feast and getting him and his
0: 200 warriors turned to stone. That must have been so satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) The connection with the Ten of Swords and the sword through the head and the sort of laying waste and destructiveness that is associated with the card and the commitment to a single choice by destroying all the others.
1: The idea of Aquarius as liberation through the scientific method.
0: The barren Altar and the Vengefulness.
1: Her realm of magic, sorcery, and witchery, as well as telepathy and psychic healing.
0: The Architect of Coincidence. The Downward Sword.
1: The Astral Counterpart of the Physical Body, and the idea of body as a temple for spirit, and the connection between mind and
0: body. Right. The I Ching Hexagram 18, Remedying uh the spoiled worms and the f- and the decaying food in the jar which must be thrown out <laughs> and to
1: not recoil from hard work or danger right and one who does not serve either king or feudal lord but prefers in a lofty spirit to follow his own bent
0: <laughs> uh the fortuna minor uh change and in instability the uh the lesser side of the uh solar Geomantic figures.
1: The idea of storm clouds, conflict and provocation, and being ever vigilant for the unforeseen. Uh,
0: Great cleverness in the management of practical affairs. I can't remember if I said that, but that's a duquette thing.
1: Yep. Vigilance, spying, and secret service.
0: Mm. And unforeseen events.
1: And adroitness in the settlement of controversy.
0: The swordswoman of the Ruach. (laughs) Yeah, the wrath of the gods. The linguist and the programmer, the task manager. The
1: Valkyrie.
0: Wow. Did we do it? (laughs) I think we did. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. So uh, thank you for braving the rushing winds with us and the pager princess of swords. It's been an amazing journey through the Swords suit. I hope that all of you have taken away more than you expected from this most challenging of suits. I know I've learned an absolute ton doing this. It's been a delight. And we will be back with our final suit next week and the ace of discs. See you then. And that's our show for today. You can find us, as always, at our online home, www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. But there are also a number of other places you can find me and Mel on the internet. All of Mel's books and decks can be found at www.tarotcart.com. So that's your first stop. If you want to find anything related to the Rosetta tarot or the Tabula Mundi tarot, that's also where you'll find the adorable new pocket-sized decks, as well as signed and matted prints of her artwork. As for me, my book tarot correspondences, ancient secrets for everyday readers, is coming out from Llewellyn and is available for pre-order online at Amazon Book Depository and more. You can learn more about that at my website, www.tsusanchang.com. I also have a shop on Etsy where I sell the one and only trademarked Arcana case in lavish silks, brocades, and esoteric prints, as well as my Zodiac perfumes. Perfumes for the next month's sun signs are always on sale at the year's lowest price. All of that is at www.etsy.com tarotista. And if you'd like your very own Fortune's Wheelhouse t-shirt or tote bag or mug, we have those too. You can find them at our Redbubble shop. The address for that is redbubble.com slash people wheelhouse93 slash shop. Go on, get yourself something. You know you deserve it. Happy shopping to all you heroes of the astral plane. We so appreciate your support.